Welcome to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Natural MD Radio. I'm especially excited about the show because I have an amazing guest here to celebrate the 100th episode of Natural MD Radio. My guest today is Tara Foley, who started her clean beauty journey over 10 years ago after realizing that her quote-unquote healthy lifestyle had a huge blind spot. She was exercising, eating well, but she had no idea what she was putting on her body. That's when she began to look deeper and discovered all the toxins hiding inside her beauty products. She started a blog to share information and received an inspiring response from so many women with the same concerns. Tara resolved that women deserved answers and products that worked without putting our health or the planet at risk. So she left her corporate job and immersed herself in the world of clean beauty. She hunted down the best products, continued researching and writing about everything from ingredients to regulation, began building relationships with brands and activists, and even moved to France to work on an organic lavender farm. Eventually, she started dreaming up the idea of a store where she could educate and introduce people to the safest, most effective, and luxurious non-toxic products. Folane opened in 2013 as the first retailer to sell clean beauty exclusively. It's now a nationwide retailer dedicated to selling the safest, most effective, and luxurious non-toxic personal care products. Tara Foley, welcome to Natural MD Radio. It is such a pleasure to have you here. It's such an honor to be on with you, Aviva. Thank you so much. And congratulations on your big 100th episode. Thank you. So I have to tell a quick funny story. About 30 years ago, as you know, Tara, and as my audience knows, I am an herbalist. So like 30 years ago, I was at home with my cute little homeschooled kids. And one of my kids was, it was hot summer. We lived in Atlanta. She was wearing her panties and we were making natural skincare products. So I had to heat something up to, at that time, I was still using some beeswax in a body cream that I was making. And my stove caught on fire. Oh and I, I know I saw a spark run through into the wall. It was an electric burner. <gasps> I hit the circuit breaker, grabbed the phone, got the kids outside. I like was standing on the porch with the cord on the phone and I called the fire department. So the fire department comes out to the house and they check everything. They're like, ma'am, that was a great idea to shut the circuit breaker because sometimes fires can get into walls and into the electricity. They gave me the A-OK. <laughs> and one of these firemen looks at me and said, so what were you doing? It smells really good in here. <laughs> My next youngest was you know, a couple of years old at the time. And she just, I mean, she's standing there in her panties with these big <laughs> curls, blonde curls, blue eyes, and just literally rubs her hands down across her chest, down her little belly, across her butt, down her thighs. She goes, we were making herbal body creams. And I, that was like the only moment as a weird homeschooling mom that I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to get arrested right now. Oh my gosh, that story is too much. No. We got to turn around your experience with herbal body creams. Right, exactly. So you started making body products. How did you get on this journey? I grew up pretty obsessed with with beauty products, to be honest. And I I wasn't as lucky as your very lucky children. I didn't grow up in a household where anybody was very focused on holistic health by any means. It was I kind of grew up in a family that was very focused on convenience. And so basically after I graduated from college, I was living on my own and I was working in a job that I hated. And the only thing that really gave me solace and made me feel really good about myself was taking care of myself. So that was cooking healthy recipes. I was getting really active for the first time in my life, practicing yoga every day. And so I was, you know, in that whole entire research into how to continue to like feed my my body and take care of myself, I started learning about the fact that these beauty products that I had been obsessed with ever since I was a little girl, that they were filled with a lot of ingredients that didn't align with that new lifestyle I had. And so 
I got very, I mean, I was a public policy major in college. I'm definitely an activist in spirit. And I felt like I had to do something. And so I was telling my friends and family members and everybody who would listen, but you know, that's only so many people. And so I started a little blog and and during that, I started to mix up my own products. I started to meet with the founders of the brands and products that existed at the time, and actually very few of them existed even then. And it was, it was just kind of a winding journey, but it all came from a place of, of intuitively knowing that I needed to kind of feed my skin with ingredients that were just as high quality as the ingredients I was feeding my body. And we tend to think about our skin as, oh, well, I'm, I'm putting on 20 body products before I leave the house in the morning, no big deal. I'm not absorbing them. But many of these chemicals are significant hormone disruptors. And yep. so it may sound, you know, in some ways, not trivial, but like, oh, it's beauty products, you know, how important are beauty products? But actually, this is hugely important to women's health. So hugely important. I mean, women will come in all the time and they'll say, oh, I, I don't use very many products or, you know, the most of the products I use, I'm sure they're okay. But just like you said, you know, women are using up to 20 product or sometimes more than 20 products a day, everything from your soap to your deodorant, your toothpaste, your mascara, everything in between. And these ingredients that your body doesn't know how to digest, they will sometimes bioaccumulate in your system and they're with you. I mean, forever. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and it's not even just the 20 products, right? It's 20 products. But if you look at the list of ingredients, those 20 products could be exactly. 200 chemicals. Exactly. And things like lipstick, you're eating it all day long. You're, you're truly exactly right. actually ingesting it. And the craziest thing is, you know, that's all the harm that it can do. But when you use, we, you know, we've talked about this before, Aviva, but when you use products that are actually made with nourishing ingredients, it delivers this awesome experience that I actually believe all women need. So that was the most eye-opening part of the whole journey for me is that when I went from using those beauty products that I had grown up with and started switching to more wholesome products, you know, back 10 years ago when I started this, I started realizing that I wanted to take a deep breath when I put on my face cream now. Like I wanted to enjoy the smells of the rose essential oil and I wanted to luxuriate in it a little bit more as opposed to, you know, the conventional products that I had grown up with, which just kind of like get the job done, wash your face, put on a moisturizer, just kind of slap on products. It's, you know, very much out of convenience, just move on to the next thing. But these products that have nourishing ingredients, not only are they safer in terms of, you know, toxicity and all the things that matter so much to us as a business and as people, but it's also these clean products also deliver this beautiful, beautiful experience that I think all women really deserve. It's so true. You know, when I started out in natural medicine, so this was back in the early eight, 1981, there really weren't any clean products for yeah. beauty. And then kind of like maybe the late 80s, I think Walita came over from Europe and yep. we could get Walita products. Hauschka was another one you could get. They were quite costly. Yep. They were beautiful products. And so I made a lot of my own. I mean, back in the day, I even made my own shampoo because you just couldn't get what you mm -hmm. needed. So I would make a lavender infusion and chamomile and witch hazel for some astringency and then get some castile flakes. And literally, this is what I was doing. And now there's so much that's beautiful and available. But I kind of came up in a space where I felt like going natural meant not using products. And it was really my daughters who are now aged 25 to 31, including one who works for Osea, a beautiful natural skincare company that I believe you guys carry at Full Lane. It's one of our top brands. Yeah. yeah we, love, we love that brand and they've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, so it's my daughters who have really gotten me into this ritual of seeing skincare not as something extraneous, but as truly this time I do, I brush my teeth and then I have my beautiful products that my daughters have actually given me. And Good. I take that time and I massage my face and it is that deep breath. And it's that reminder every day that even if I've had a full day, it's part of that evening unwind and that evening stop, pause, breathe and reset for sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely my routine. And that's something that we're encouraging as many women as possible to do for themselves as well, to really kind of shut the door and for a few minutes have those moments for yourself, which a lot of women, they don't have otherwise as busy moms and busy in their careers. You know, a lot of women, this is literally the only moment they have for themselves. So 
you know, why not take it? (laughs) I agree. So there's this other side of beauty that I'd love to chat with you about, which is there's the beauty that we do for self-care. And there's the beauty that we do because there's so much pressure on women to look a certain way. And, you know, now at 52, it's really interesting because I'm watching the wellness space and I'm watching the natural care product space, including beauty products, really quite dominated by gorgeous young women with very robust Instagram pages in their 30s. And some of them I know personally through my work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this sense that if we just do if we eat this way and use these products, we're actually going to look a certain way. In fact, I just read an article about the marketing that happens on Instagram and how people aren't really even just buying the products anymore. They're, they're buying in some ways looking or being like the person they see. And yet behind the scenes as a physician in the wellness space, I know what we see isn't always just the products. There's filler and there's Botox and there's surgeries and all kinds of things happening. I just read an article that said that over a million Instagram users are now talking about using these, they're called Instagram veneers to make your teeth look brighter (laughs) on Instagram. So there's this other side of beauty that has been sold to us as women and this pressure to look a certain way, color our hair, wear cosmetics. And I wonder for you as a woman in the space, how do you deal with those sort of undersided, underside pressures of that space? It's such a great question. And it's something we, we actually talk about every single day here at Full Lane. Cause as you can imagine, so many women come in and, and they say, Oh, you know, I need something that works as well as my, you know, fill in the blank from my dermatologist. And, you know, we ask women to take a step back and, and tell us, why are they using that product? And not just like, you know, okay, they, they've heard that it resurfaces their skin, but it's like, why, why do you want to resurface your skin? And it's actually, it comes down to, it comes down to like a self-respect and self-confidence issue that conventional beauty really created, the big beauty industry really created. And now, like you said, the influencer industry and Instagram is perpetuating. It's this whole, like, you know, you need to look a certain way. And if you don't, here's the, just pop the pill, essentially, you know, the lotion, the potion, whatever, to be able to get there if you don't look a certain way. And so we really are trying to remind people, and as hokey and cliche as it sounds, that everyone is truly beautiful in their own way. We're trying to come up with (laughs) other ways of saying it, but it, you know, everybody is most beautiful when they are healthiest and most nourished, you know, and that's just, it's not just products that you apply on your skin. It's also how you're sleeping. It's how you're eating. It's, your stress levels, it's everything. It's you're truly, you know, most beautiful when you're most confident. And that's, that's something that we talk about every single day here. And, you know, it it is a huge problem we have because a lot of women come in and they say, well, my dermatologist told me that, you know, these fillers are okay and that it's okay to get this chemical peel. And, you know, I should be using Retin-A, you know, to resurface my skin every single day. And it's a hard thing for us to grapple with, obviously, because we're not, we're not doctors and we basically are having a therapy session (laughs) with people in the, in the store. So. Well, I think what you said about confidence being such a powerful beauty tool is really strong. Absolutely. I read a book last year by Amy Cuddy and it's called Presence. And she's the one who did the power posing. Okay. Ted talk that was so popular. Oh, I've I've seen that one. Yeah. Awesome. And she talks about the importance of posture and particularly mm-hmm. about how our culture is changing posture with texting and, you know, looking down at our phone and just how you can use your posture to change how you feel. My mom was one of these like, sit up straight, you know, so I was kind of had posture as part of my health, but starting to really focus on my posture when I found myself in that moment of comparing and despairing based on something I saw on Instagram, like using that posture to pull myself back up quite literally, I realized what it is. It is that confidence. And when you have that confidence, it's like you have that swag and that swag is what kind of communicates I think the beauty that women are truly looking for in some ways. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And that's why I think I love following you so much on Instagram. Of you guys. And I honestly think that that's, that's the direction that I think women are going to be going in more and more. They, we want confident, you know, leaders to look up to, right. And I think that that's not something that we always can find in this quote unquote influencer culture that's growing. My, my biggest fear is, you know, I want to get to younger generations faster because we still see a lot of girls coming in that, you know, Instagram makeup is a thing. Have you heard yeah. of this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Instagram clothes. I was looking at one oh. of my favorite companies online recently because I, I love their jeans. And they actually have a whole separate like section in their tab now where I think it's called Instagram ready wear. And the clothes maybe have like a little sheen to them so that when you take a selfie or when you're in an Instagram photo that the clothes are actually creating part of the lighting. I was horrified, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, and they're trying to take all the thought out of all of it just to prepare you only for Instagram, which is sad. And it's like, ugh, we just we want people to feel comfortable, you know, with themselves. And that actually means, you know, going away from social media. We have to use it as a tool to grow our business, of course. Yeah, but same here. You know, but it's, it's something we talk about a lot. And, you know, one of the things we're talking about is like, do we need to have calls to action on our social media channels to get off of social media? Well, it's, it's really, part of it. it is a big conundrum. And then again, how do we shift what social media is so that it can be something like I'll periodically just post. I have very little, wear very little makeup on a day-to-day -day basis anyway. It's more when I'm doing something that requires a lot of mm -hmm. lighting or mm -hmm. stage or something like that. So I will post a lot of just, this is what I really look like on Instagram. And women respond to that so powerfully. I think we all just want to know, well, what's real? Like I yeah. had a patient who called me up recently. She has four kids and she has a new baby and she was so overwhelmed and in tears. She's like, I was just on social media and I saw this other woman and she's got four kids and she's got this... Instagram channel for her cooking show and she's got this gorgeous website and I'm like and she probably has a team of 20 people exactly and like there's a lot more behind it and I think that you know it's not like when you see a tv commercial you know you're being sold something when you see a magazine ad you know you're being sold something but this influencer culture is really subtle we're not told that we're being marketed something but we often actually are yep yep no it's so true it's so so true and I think that that's also comes back to one of the things we're striving to do at Full Lane is making sure that women are finding the right things very specifically for them because, you know, influencers and, and editors will end up kind of king making certain brands and products. And so people see these products on Instagram or in magazines and they'll say, oh, okay, every celebrity uses this, so I want to use it too. But it's not necessarily like the right thing for them. Literally, like it may have ingredients that doesn't agree with their skin type and concern. So that actually happened to me. I turned, oh. <laughs> so when I turned 50, I decided that what I was going to do for myself was get a beautiful skincare product line. And I won't name the name of the company, but it's okay. a stunning company. I love their brand. It's beautiful. They're based in Vermont. They have a wonderful story. They do have really lovely ingredients. And okay. so this was my birthday present to myself. I bought, I think I bought four products. It came out to be like $400. It wasn't inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And the products were so heavy in essential oils. Mm -hmm. It was 100% organic, 100% natural, really good quality yep. EOs. And I've never struggled with skin breakouts. And I started having skin breakouts. And I was like, what yeah. is going on? And I realized that the essential oils were causing skin irritation that were causing me to react. And so yeah. I had to completely stop using this skincare line. So I know that one of the things that you've shared with me that you do is you help women to kind of avoid that king maker or queen maker product yeah. <laughs> and help women personalize. How do you do that? We're in a very unique position to be able to do that because, you know, I've been working on this through my blog and then through the stores since 2013. We've been collecting tons and tons of information about the different products and brands and ingredients that work best for different skin types and concerns. And so we took all of that information that we've been collecting over the years and we started to build quizzes and matchmaking tools on our website, knowing that many women, you know, explore at least on websites before they even go into stores or before they make purchases online. So we have a big skin quiz that you can take and we'll basically walk you through a number of questions about your skin and your preferences and products you use now and everything. And 
we will recommend a full routine for you and it'll be across all the 80 brands that we sell. So it's not like a single brand recommending you a routine, which I think is powerful. Or you can go to each of our pages. If you want a cleanser, you can take a mini quiz on cleansers. If you want a moisturizer, you can take a mini quiz on moisturizers. And it it's really just getting to the best thing for you because like you said, the same product isn't going to work as well on two different skin types. Nobody, no two people have the exact same skin. So, and even really, within, and like yeah. you said, even within a product line, because exactly. I, I identified exactly. for myself which product it was, particularly in that line yep. that wasn't working for me. And it was this one particular heavily scented, like an oil based product, and it just didn't work. Whereas a couple of the other things were totally fine. Yep. Yep. That doesn't surprise me. That happens all the time. Women will come into the store and they'll have read a bunch of press about a whole brand and they come in and they want to buy everything by that brand. And we say, let's take a step back. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about, you know, your skin and what's worked well and not worked well for you in the past, you know, even down to the, you know, preferences, right? Because we know that women aren't going to stick with a certain product if they don't like the smell or the feel. So we really are pretty fastidious about matching her to the right thing for her. So how do you determine what products you carry in your stores in terms of like, I've worked on product policy committees before Mm -hmm. for food companies and for supplement companies where there are actual standards that we have for what ingredients, what the ethics behind the ingredients are, even packaging. How do you determine what brands you carry? That's one of the things that we really feel like differentiates us most from all of the other retailers of clean beauty products. So We have a a very tight standard and policy as well. So we have on our website, you can see all of the ingredients that we restrict. It's on the page called the Restricted Ingredients page. But that's really stemming from this philosophy that we believe that there should be nothing in these products that's harmful to human health or environmental health. Like obviously understanding that those two things are very intertwined. So we don't want things to be put on your body that's going to then go into the drain and into the water system and then come back and get to you that way. So basically, we believe that we want to use as plant-based, nutrient-dense ingredients as possible, but obviously with safe synthetics as necessary for preservation or for performance. So we've built a whole entire list of ingredients that we restrict from products, but the more exciting part is the ingredients that we really try and optimize and and seek out, and those are really those nutrient-dense ingredients that oftentimes come from plants. And so we build this list of restrictions and of the things that ingredients that we focus on with a team of experts. So we have, you know, the first PhD in green chemistry. We have an ingredient sourcing expert. We have the head of environmental health at Harvard is helping us always to make sure that we're ahead of the curve with studies when it comes to ingredients that we need to avoid. And so we also have a dermatologist that we work with making sure that if, if a new ingredient is becoming really trendy, we need to make sure that we know what skin types should be avoiding those ingredients. And so we've really put so much thought and love into how we come up with that policy. It's kind of a tough one to, to like expose to all customers. Customers just want to know that it's going to be safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so tell me what to do. That's the question. Yeah, just like, exactly, tell me what to do. Exactly. I struggle with that like when I'm writing a book because I'm just trying to give all this information that explains why I'm recommending this. My publisher's like, just they just want to know, tell me what to do, Aviva. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we're, and because we do all that great work behind the scenes, we can just say, okay, you have this skin type and this concern, this is the right product for you. So I love it. Well, one thing about my listeners is they like to know the why, which I love. So we get to talk about this and I'm sure that they're really excited to hear that you are putting that much thought into, Good. not just into the products. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the products I am, but what was dubbed in the early 1980s, it's called the circle of poison, where we think that we can just do something and use a chemical in our household products or industrial chemicals, and then it's gone. But no, it actually comes right back into our homes and into our food and into our bodies. And our pharmaceuticals do that. Our cosmetics do it. Everything does it. Despite being so immersed in all of this, I've actually never heard that before, the circle of poison. Circle of poison. Yeah, there was a book written on it back in the, I guess, around 1981, 82. And it was talking about how we industrially in the United States, there were a lot of products that start, not a lot, but a few big products that started to be banned from use in this country. So DDT 
is an yep. example. Uh, pharmaceutical like DES is an example. And mm-hmm. instead of being banned from use everywhere, we took our stockpiles and we exported them to places like Mexico uh. and Chile and places in Africa. And so both pharmaceuticals and industrial chemicals, and sometimes those are actually made by related companies. Yeah. And what happens is, you know, you send your DDT to Mexico, one, it disseminates into the environment in all kinds of ways, but then you grow your grapes in Mexico or Chile and then we buy them back and we're literally eating what we thought we were yep. you know, yep. exporting. So that's where that concept came from. So you mentioned something that one of the things that your dermatologist, I think you said, helps with is when there's something trending you know, you kind of know what skin type maybe to avoid it for. Mm-hmm. What are some of the fads or trends in <laughs> beauty right now? Maybe just one or two, the big ones that you're just like, every time you see it, you cringe and you just want to get a megaphone and say, that's not true. You should avoid that. Are there any? Oh, there's so many. What are some <laughs> of the big so, ones that really so get cringe worthy trends? I, I, I think we touched on probably the, the worst offender, which is Instagram makeup. Hmm. And that's something that we see. And it it just, it makes us upset for so many reasons. I mean, the biggest is, you know, the self-confidence and self-respect issues, but also, I mean, sorry, I need to say that, you know, if somebody's doing it as a creative outlet, that's so awesome. But if somebody's doing it to truly try and fit in to look a certain way, you know, because of a lack of self-confidence and self-respect, you know, just trying to fit into the box. We, we hesitate to support that. Also the products you need to use (laughs) to get that, that effect scare us. (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, makeup is one of the worst offenders in this entire space. So anyhow, so Instagram makeup is definitely is up there. I would say, interestingly, you know, your story actually was really interesting to me. You said that you used a product that had too many essential oils in it and it didn't work for you. There's actually a whole trend right now to speak out against essential oils and how they're unsafe. And I, I actually, you know, personally disagree with that. And I think you probably do too. It's just, you have to find the the right thing for you. So there are a lot of big brands at Sephora and larger retailers right now that are saying essential oils are unsafe in an effort to target the whole natural side and clean side of the beauty industry. And so that's obviously been a little bit worrisome (laughs) for me because I don't believe that that's true. I think you just have to find the right things for your skin type and your skin concerns. Well, and I think in our country, we tend to be like this more is better kind of mentality. And then I I I think also there's a real understandable move away from experts into self-care. And so two things I think have happened in the wellness space in general, and I definitely saw this happening maybe five, six, seven years ago, I think is when it started this huge essential oil trend where one, there were some multi-level marketing companies Mm -hmm. that came out and then essential oils were being recommended for everything, including internally. And you know, I'm all about us taking back our healthcare. And obviously I was a home birth midwife and an herbalist for 25 years before being a doctor. But even then I always felt like, well, it doesn't mean there should be a wild west of everyone. You know, like there are some things to be aware of. They are estrogenic, for example. They do absorb through our skin. They can affect the central nervous system. So like knowing which ones and using them topically more than internally and using them in moderation as opposed to just sort of Assuming, 100%. Yeah. And then I think the ecological issues too, it takes an enormous amount of plant material to make essential oils. So using them respectfully, I think of them a little bit more like not quite truffle oil, but treating them with the reverence that we would treat something like truffle oil. Absolutely. No, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And actually on a related note of trends that I, <laughs> that I'm very nervous about is just fragrance being in everything. And I don't mean essential oil fragrance, I mean, synthetic fragrance and just how, you know, so many more brands are dialing that up in such a meaningful way. And that's actually extends beyond the beauty industry and into everything, all personal care products and all products. And so that's something that we've been increasingly nervous about because so many women will come in and they've switched everything in their whole routine to cleaner products, but then they're so hooked on, on their fragrances that they've been using forever. Yeah. 
it's pretty gross what, what's allowed to be in fragrance. In the U.S., it's considered a trade secret still, so companies aren't even required to disclose what's on those ingredient labels, and they're oftentimes a big cocktail of ingredients that are no good. Well, it's interesting. I, I couldn't agree with you more. When I was in my medical training, we actually weren't even allowed to wear anything, body lotion, deodorant, anything that wow. had fragrance in it because so many patients now are chemically sensitive and people are chemically sensitive because partly they're being overloaded with environmental exposures that they just can't break down as fast as we're exposed and accumulating them. But also fragrances themselves, just breathing them in are endocrine disruptors. We know that Mm -hmm. the phthalates that are in fragrances are absorbed. It's not just olfactory, but they actually stimulate unhealthy hormonal responses in us. So I agree, the fragrance trend is a little bit concerning. It's just one that I feel like people aren't paying enough attention to. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, women will come in and they'll switch all of their daily skincare products over to clean, but then they can't like, you know, break off of their fragrance that they use every day. And it's been like, wait, just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to all add up to me, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So (laughs) that brings me to another question I want to ask you about is, so fragrances like perfumes, those are sort of one whole area that haven't so much been greenwashed yet. People are just still using them. But Mm -hmm. what are some of the greenwashing? And for those of you who are listening and don't understand the word greenwashing, it's when, I mean, a great example and hilarious example is Coca-Cola actually at one point tried to do a natural sugar, like they were using cane sugar and they changed their label to green and were marketing it as a healthier Coca-Cola. I mean, there's nothing you can do to make soda (laughs) healthy ever anyway, but that's, that's almost a funny literal example where they put a green label, but greenwashing is giving something a halo of natural or healthy or perhaps organic when it isn't. Some amount of that has to do with dilution of what words actually mean in the industry. Mm -hmm. What are some of the greenwashing? And I know you guys are super meticulous about this at Faux Lane, you Mm -hmm. ladies, I should say. (laughs) What are some of the greenwashing words that people should look out for on their body products? Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Aviva. So you, there is no regulation of the terms natural or clean or green. So any company can apply those to any, any formula literally, which is kind of shocking for people to hear. So you'll see, you'll see natural on a product, you'll see on the front of a body lotion, it'll say natural and have a little green leaf on it. And you'll be in a drugstore and you turn around the ingredient label and it's, it's actually like maybe 0.05% naturally derived ingredients. So, and they're, they're allowed to get away with that in the U S because nobody's monitoring that. So you see a lot of that. I actually think the worst offenders are the brands that are calling out specific hot button ingredients on the front label. So it'll say it's an SLS free shampoo, or it's a paraben free body lotion. And it'll say that on the front label. But if you actually turn the back label, you'll see, oh, gosh, what did they replace it with? (laughs) Like a cocktail of really bad things. So and this isn't I feel like sometimes when I go down this road, people are just they think, oh, what can I trust? You really have to read the back label. You have to read the ingredient label. If you're not shopping from a retailer that you can trust or a brand you can trust, you really do have to kind of own that experience and and read the ingredient label. There are some third-party organizations that rate products on a toxicity scale from zero through 10, like the EWG. Yes, Skin Deep. I go to Skin Deep and they do a great job. That's great. That's Mm -hmm. a great tool. Because of the rise in popularity of clean and green and natural beauty, you're going to see a lot of really very big brands now trying to brand their products as natural, and they're, they're just not at all. And it's one of the fastest growing industries, natural skincare. Yep. So I agree, we're going to see a lot more of it. So one of the things that you do is you do some of this work for women. You've got your policies, so you're helping yep. us to do this. One of the things that I talk to women in my practice about and women you know who follow me online and when I teach is that yes, some things are more expensive, but I call it a pay now, pay later situation. And one of the things you mentioned earlier when we were talking is wanting to shift more to getting teenagers early on. And I'm so I'm working on this book on women's hormones right now and going through just enormous amounts of scientific data, a lot of it on endocrine disruptors. And I came across a really fascinating study 
and it was specifically teenage girls. It was actually, there were two different studies. One was Asian teenage girls and one mm-hmm. was Latina teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And looking at the blood levels of endocrine disrupting chemicals and what these primary sources were. And the biggest primary sources were plastic water bottles and plastic packaging around food. And then skincare, suntan lotion, body lotion, anything that you're putting on your body in a large area. So let's just talk about this issue of cost and importance. And so what I tend to tell women is if you can go to somewhere like Folane and get all of your skincare products, that's brilliant. And that's amazing. And I think that the value for me, that's where I would put my money over, let's say the latest iPhone or the best television. Cause I don't, those mm-hmm. things are less important to me, you know, but definitely no matter what, you know, how much are you going to absorb through your eyelashes compared to how much are you going to absorb through putting something all over your skin, like your after bath lotion? Uh-huh. How do you help women prioritize around health and finances around going natural with their beauty products? It's a great question, like where to, where to begin and how to prioritize. I mean, we, first of all, I would say, I totally agree. It is an, it sounds again, cliche, but it is an investment in your health. And I think once people take the first couple steps, they realize that, and it's very hard to go back, but it's, you know, the hardest part is, is taking those first couple steps. And so we definitely recommend, you know, if you're running out of a product right now that you can substitute, obviously start there. Some people want to start with the products that are quote unquote most toxic in their medicine cabinet and bathrooms. And so those are sometimes a surprise to people. Like you said, body lotion, you slather it all over your body. One thing that people don't think enough about is literally the hand and body soap that they use every day. Mm-hmm. And so soap is, you know, it usually is filled with a ton of synthetic fragrance, tons of sodium lower sulfate for foaming, triclosan for the antibacterial, all of these things. And so we actually try and get people to switch their soap as one of the first things because it's a it's a fairly easy transition to make. We also do all of the hand and body soap in the store is refillable. We have this kind of system where you buy a bottle of soap, it's a beautiful glass bottle, and then you bring it back either online or you know through the stores and you refill it for a third of the price. And that's our way of trying to get you to switch your soap. I love that. It's like yeah. bringing my, my olive oil bottle to the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's for that reason, it, it's been so, so great for us. It's a top selling product for us, but it's also so great because we know we're making that much of an impact on, you know, families, the health of full families, because and it's not just that single packaging. person. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a really important product that's for so us. Cool. So, you know, obviously soap, anything that, like you mentioned in the beginning of this, you know, anything you put on your lips is very, very important because you're legitimately licking it <laughs> all day long. And <laughs> lipsticks can be one of the worst, worst offenders in the space. They're oftentimes filled with a ton of heavy metals. So, yeah, I remember Burt's Bees about maybe five or eight years ago, which you'd think is like this sort of ultimate clean product, right? But Burt's Bees actually was found to have cadmium, I think it was, in one of their red lipsticks. I was like, wow, you really have to know what you're looking for. I hadn't read that story. That's pretty upsetting. And I wonder if that was before or after Clorox bought them. But anyhow, you know. I think it was after. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 important for women to kind of dip their toes in the water with this transition. You can't just kind of come in and transition everything at once because it's it is too costly. And so we also have created these little trial kits for women to start travel sizes of a full routine of products and that works for some people. So it really comes down to you need to do some self-reflection to see you know, what the best thing is for you. Cause if you're a person like you, Aviva, who doesn't use a ton of products, maybe a single product swap out is the best approach. But for somebody like me, who I historically always did use a ton of products, the best, the best kind of place for me would have been one of these little trial kits that we've created. So many different opportunities to kind of start the journey. So if you don't mind switching gears, I would like to ask you more about you. Okay. Okay. Because you are, (laughs) no, no, uh uh-ohs, you're amazing. So you're running this company. You've just opened up five new stores. Like when I saw you in California, I think you were going around opening two stores on the West Coast. (laughs) 
We had, yeah, we just opened four stores last year in the second half of last year. And that was a lot. And it wasn't necessarily the plan to open them so close to each other. And it definitely wasn't the plan to open them after having a baby, but life happens. <laughs> it does. Yep. Yes. And so that brings me to my, you have two kids, right? You have a, yes. a little yep. one and then a baby baby. Yep. And yep. how are you, how are you managing? How are you doing it? What's life look like for you? Thank you for asking. Not everybody asks that. I, I'm managing by, by micromanaging probably more than I ever have and more than is really even that comfortable for me. But I've, I've found that Folane doesn't really feel like a quote unquote job to me. It really is. I've immersed my life in it and it's, it's so much bigger than a job for me. So, you know, to that end, I had to kind of start to compartmentalize it and make it more of a job than I ever had after I had kids and and that's solely so I can be present with them when I'm with them. So on the weekends and at night and whenever I have time with them, the most important thing to me is to be able to focus on them and not have my phone too much. Obviously, I have it sometimes, but not have my phone too much, not have, you know, other priorities. So so what I've done is I've started to really truly compartmentalize and create you know, crazy, you know, lists for myself. And, you know, my calendar has become much more micromanaged. I literally have in my calendar when I'm leaving every day from our office. And it feels, it feels different because this isn't how I'm wired to be like to micromanage my schedule that much, but it also felt very necessary. So I could be able to kind of do, do both well. And how are you taking care of yourself? I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot to have two little kids (laughs) and, I mean, I know that you love your work. So when you love your work, yeah. it's so, so different. And and even for me, you know, sometimes when my kids were little and I was writing a book, I would be so immersed in the book that it was actually yep. hard to pull myself away. And once I was with the kids doing that in that space, you know, up from my desk, but that, that pull can be really hard sometimes when you're immersed in something that's really a passion project. And as much as we love yep. our little ones... Sometimes it's not as thankful a task as... (laughs) Totally. Especially right now as I'm going to potty training and that's like totally... Talk about the Wild West. That's the (laughs) wildest thing I've definitely ever done in my entire life. But, you know, potty training, you know, a two and a half year old and sleep training with a with a five month old, it's been, it's been a lot. And like you said, it's kind of thankless sometimes. And, you know, it's sometimes I would almost rather be working on full lane, you know, but at the same time, I think just going back to your initial question, I'm only going to be even remotely good at those two things. If I check out myself every single day and have, have some time to myself and, and that's become really, really difficult to prioritize if I'm being completely honest. And, Sometimes it's literally five minutes where I like, you know, sit in the bathroom by myself and I'm testing products and doing my own like, you know, routine. Sometimes it's doing 15 minutes of yoga. Sometimes it's, you know, getting off the train home from work, you know, three stops earlier and and walking a little bit further and listening to music. But I found that if I don't force it on myself every day and I go, let's just say four or five days without forcing those moments to myself, I, I turn into like a monster and I'm not good at anything anymore, (laughs) you know? So that's become really, really like for not just for my sanity, but also for productivity and for everything, it's become incredibly important. And I, unfortunately, I think I learned it the hard way and I learned it pretty, pretty recently that I need to, I need to force that on myself every single day. And I honestly have had to start to check myself out of, you know, the office sometimes during the day and just go for a walk. I now wear sneakers every day of my life so I can just like, you know, walking is easy for me if I need to go do that. But it's it's been a, it's been a wild ride. It's it's hard a lot of the time, but it also is so fulfilling when when it's good that it's worth it, I think, obviously. <laughs> Thank you so much for one for just being honest and even yeah. just even just saying that sometimes you'd rather be at full lane and I get it. It's not that you don't adore your kids, but it's one thing when you have a toddler fussing at you and a baby needing you versus being at the office where you're in charge and it's a beautiful (laughs) space and people are writing you testimonials about how much you've changed their life. Well, it's hard at the office oftentimes. I'm sure. I'm sure. But you know, I just really appreciate the honesty about that. And did you have like a moment where you had that reckoning of, I need self-care as part of my health care. 
I did. And unfortunately, I still do have those moments again. And it's funny because it's always when I don't when I don't, you know, do it enough. Okay, to just put it all out there and put all the cards on the table. I had one this weekend. I had been working so much and my husband who doesn't have to travel very much for his job was on the road for two weeks. And so I was literally like the everything all of a sudden. We share very equally, you know, parenting and home life and everything. I was going to ask you so, about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're very, you know, we, he's much more of a cook than I am. And, you know, we, we share all the home, home stuff, which is really the only way this whole thing works. <laughs> and, and I'm very, very lucky to have him. But of course, you know, when he was traveling and things were really hard and taxing here at the office and really hard at home with the kids, And, you know, I just, I deprioritized myself for those two weeks. And then on Saturday morning, I like couldn't even move, you know, and it's, you don't want to be like that ever. So I, I still am very guilty of, of having those moments where, you know, I'm just like, how did I get here? Why didn't I prioritize myself? So the same thing happens to me. Usually what happens is like, I'll have a nice routine going for a while yeah. And then I'll be feeling pretty good. And then it sort of like goes on this descending curve. And then I'm having like a four or five day. You know when it usually is? It's usually when I've worked through a weekend. Like I've taught for the weekend or I'm on a deadline. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write this weekend. I'm just going to push myself. And then I get to Monday and I haven't done the self-care. And then for me, it's usually some kind of a mini meltdown. It's like I'm more snappy. I'm irritable. I'm emotional. Not that being any of those things are wrong, but it's like, it's the way that I show up when I haven't been hitting the pause button. And it's my reminder like, oh, right. You pushed past your, your limit and you need to not do that. Yep. No, I'm right there with you. And I think we as women are uniquely guilty of pushing ourselves to that end. So, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe men also, you know, do that. <laughs> but I, I find myself doing it more than most of most of the guys that I have relationships with. I think with. we also have a more of a guilty button that's mm-hmm. even when I see young mom, well, you're a young mom. I see young moms, even though, you know, we're sort of like in this post-feminist, not post-feminist, but like post-modern feminism, somehow that button still got installed in a lot of us. And I think that we're still trying to be everything to everyone. And it gets really hard to do that. <laughs> it totally gets hard. <laughs> do you get mom guilt when you work? Oh my gosh, of course I get mom yeah. guilt. Of course. What does that look like for you? <laughs> it probably looks like it does for most others. I'll get a message from my husband if I'm not home, you know, and he'll send me a picture and say, oh, this is what we're doing. And Annabelle's smiling and laughing, or I missed her first something. And, oh, gosh. and it just uh. rips me up. But at the same time, I, I know that I'm a stronger mom. Personally, me, I'm better at being a mom when I'm managing all of this stuff and including self-care and, and full lane, because I really do feel like I'm I feel very, very fulfilled by Folane. And I think that I'm, I'm bringing my best version of my best self to her, to my daughter when, when I am. So I talk to moms about that a lot in my practice. I'll have moms who, or women who say, I can't do this or that because I've got to take care of the kids. And I'm like, let's imagine that your kids are now grown up. Do you want your daughters to say, I can't take care of myself because I have kids. And it really is, we are setting such a powerful model of being present when we are making a huge change in the world, in the work we do and hitting pause and saying self-care is part of it. And it does actually make us better at what we do. Absolutely. What do you feel is the basis for creating success in your life? Is it having that balance? Is it grit? Is it hitting pause? Is it all of it? That's really interesting. I think for me, it comes back to to giving back. I want to nourish people. And I honestly, before I even realized this whole thing with like toxic ingredients and beauty products, I I thought I wanted to go to law school and get into advocacy. And I've always wanted to like give back in some capacity. I spent so much of my high school years and middle school years, even I grew up in DC, you know, working in shelters and it's so funny. My parents, when I told them that I was going to open a beauty store, they were like, what? (laughs) And I was just like, where'd our daughter go? (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) To put it all out there. I mean, it was, it was like actually really hard with my parents for a while because they, they couldn't wrap their head around it. These are products that women use every single day. And I was like, I can change their health by having them use healthier products. But now 
it's really like I can change their mental health by forcing in, you know, time to take care of themselves. And so it's really, maybe it's always kind of the business is always kind of meeting me where I am potentially, but it all comes back to at the end of the day, what fuels me is to feel like I'm, I'm nourishing people and I'm, I'm nourishing my family when I'm, you know, being present with them and, and giving them the benefits of everything we do at Filet. And I'm nourishing every single one of our customers. I, I hope that we're creating a nourishing environment for our team here, you know, in that, like, we don't need to actually like go out for cocktails afterwards to like each other. We need to like each other in our meetings that we have all day long. And, and we want to feel open and, and like, we're all giving back too. So to me, it's all, it's all built on this foundation of, of wanting to nourish and feel, you know, like you're doing something for as many people possible. Do you ever have moments of self-doubt or oh doubt in your ability? I mean, yes. How do you deal <laughs> every with that? Every single day. Every single day. You do? Yeah, it's hard because I'm, you know, think about when I started the business, I was the sole employee and I was in a store all day long. And that was, you know, I was it. Now I manage a team of 20 people in an office, 75 plus people across the country. And that's a very different job, but I've always had the same title, <laughs> you know, founder. <laughs> so I have self-doubt every single day. And as a parent, I think you experience tons of self-doubt because it's all just figuring it out as you go. Totally. And it's just like, yes, the, to your question, I have self-doubt every single day. But for me, it's like, it's trying to make decisions as quickly as possible. And I, and I do feel like as women, we are very intuitive. And I feel like trusting my gut more and more, it's working in my favor. So I'm trying to do that more. I have to tell you, that has been my biggest life lesson is to trust my gut. And increasingly, it's almost my guiding mantra is how do I feel in the moment in making this decision? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Tara, thank you for the honesty. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've brought so much honesty and integrity to this conversation. And I I know how busy you are. I'm so grateful for you taking an hour to chat with me and my audience. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we don't do on this podcast is we don't take advertising, we don't take sponsorship because we want the information to be really pure and true. So I don't do a lot of product pitching or anything like that. But I do want to say that I use Folane. My daughter introduced me to Folane and my daughter actually introduced me to Tara too, personally. And it is a company that I feel like is disrupting a lot of different aspects of what beauty means and what health means and what self-care means and doing it in a way that is good for the planet too. So I want to thank you for being that disruptor. You're still being an activist and you're doing it in a beautiful way. Thank you so thank much you. for that. Oh, thank you. That was really beautiful. And congratulations again on your hundredth episode here. Yes. <laughs> it's an honor to be a part of it. Thank you. So. so we have a little special treat for our listeners too, which I asked Tara right before the show about doing a full lane giveaway. So what we're yep. going to do in celebration of the 100th episode is we're going to ask you to leave a comment and a like about this episode. Feel free to say what you loved about it, what you love about natural skincare, anything you want to. And we are going to pick a winner from the women who do give us a comment and one person will receive a special gift basket from Folane. Thank you, Tara, for that. That is a of wonderful, course. exciting thing to get to do. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.